Country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. The future of country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. It was one of those. It's like, how has nobody ever written this? This is brilliant, and it wasn't my idea. I can't take credit for that. But when it was brought to me, I was like, man, this is genius. And how has nobody ever written this idea before? This is country music. Country Confidential. Behind every successful singer is an amazing songwriter. Most of your favorite country songs have come from two blocks in the middle of Nashville, Tennessee. Music Row has produced hit after hit for decades. Yet, as fans, we rarely get to meet the brains behind the song. So many of these Music Row alums are now breaking out as solo artists themselves. With a few number ones under their belts, these songwriters are ready to take center stage. I got to sit down with some of the songwriters behind some of the biggest names in country music and learn their stories. I want to know all the secrets and untold stories from their time writing in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Backstage Bobby, and this is Country Confidential, Rise of the Songwriter. As a songwriter, I try to be really open to inspiration. Just kind of being around somebody who's writing songs all the time. I kept discouraging myself, and then I was like, I don't know how to do this. As a songwriter, you get really attached to certain songs. The Rise of the Songwriter. Born in Memphis, Tennessee, and credited with being a songwriter, record producer, rapper, and singer, guys, Shy Carter is the mastermind behind so many of your favorite country and pop hits. Good As You by Kane Brown, One Call Away by Charlie Puth, and When God Whispered Your Name by Keith Urban are just a few of the many songs that Shy Carter has co-written. He's clearly planted roots in so many different genres, but I was curious to know why Shy finds country music so special. I mean, I've written for a lot of different genres, like all the way from probably like hip hop to pop to Latin country and R&B. Country music is such a beautiful, uh, I love the storytelling. I love the instrumentation. I, it's, it's like my favorite, it's my favorite place to just get a song across. Like I feel can just really reach the soul and touch the heart. You know, I feel like it's a, it's a place where you can get some soulful stuff going. So it's a, it's a beautiful place for me to be in. I couldn't agree more. Country music is so good for the soul. Even with the industry appearing to be changing these days, I really think that Shy is at the forefront of this new movement we're seeing in country music. I asked him about the evolution of songwriting in the industry and how he specifically thinks that it's changing. Well, me personally, I I, I think my my style has evolved to try to try to uh, stand up to some of the classic country songs that have that have been made so i'm just trying to evolve to become better to 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 be able to be in the same kind of market as some of these amazing songs um i feel like the music has evolved a lot in country music but as far as the lyrics i just feel like they always been incredible you know (laughs) i mean there's there's definitely like funny songs uh, but all even those are witty, and I go back to like some of my favorite, like George Strait songs, like "Run," like "Live Like You Were Dying" for Tim McGraw, and some of those songs. Like, I mean, I feel like you can't beat those songs lyrically. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know how to even how to even answer where it's evolving lyrically, except for the fact that we, we talk about a broader range of things now. Like you, you were here, like Florida Georgia Line, talking about they listening to Tupac. <laughs> So I guess, yeah, like like when it comes to that kind of stuff. As I mentioned before, Shy is a very accomplished writer. He has so many hits under his belt, but I was interested in knowing what he thought was his best and biggest cut. Kane Brown's Heaven is like, I think it's like six times platinum now, which is crazy to me. So I think that's my biggest one. And we were just sitting around a lake. Uh, we, we were at this lake house that Kane had a bunch of us writers come out for like a writing retreat. And I got a chance to write with Matt McGinn and Lindsey Rhymes, two amazing writers. Yeah. And uh, I think, think Matt just, you know, had that idea and just started singing like the first part of the chorus. Shoot. It was just like, it was like magic. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was, it was 
um, it just started flowing and we were like, yeah, let's do that. That sounds amazing. You know, we just kind of got that going and we started working on the, working on the verse and we just tried to craft it to where something where we knew Kane's got that low voice. So we wanted, you know, just make it, you know, this is perfect. <laughs> and we just did it like that. And I think we got most of it done. And then we went out and just went out on the boat and stuff like that and tried to have fun, stressed out a little bit that we didn't have our song done. And then we ended up, we ended up getting back and finishing it. Just from talking to Shy for a few minutes, I really could tell that he is such a fun collaborator. It's no wonder that artists really gravitate towards him. Despite constantly working with a variety of artists, I was curious to know if he felt more creative when he worked solo or when he was working with a group. I love writing with Kane. Uh, he, he comes at stuff from a different angle. And, and also, like, a lot of it is stuff that I, I w- would want to say I'm like, you know, he got some 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 big cojones uh, <laughs> to want to say some of the things. I'm like, yeah, let's say that. Like, I don't get that with a, with a whole lot of artists that want to really like when we did Worldwide Beautiful, we got to really I don't know if you heard that one, but we got to touch on some stuff in that one, you know, but I definitely like collaborating with people. I started writing music by myself. I really like doing that, but I've gotten so, uh, so much so comfortable in in like I just don't even do it that much anymore because I got my schedules packed and just always like so many amazing people to, to work with. So I love co- collaborating with the people, especially here in Nashville. It's just amazing. Sometimes in Music City, even with a strong collaboration and a great song, you may feel like, well, it's not quite up to par. Whether or not it's a huge hit is really up to the fans and listeners. Sometimes there are songs that artists release that really just they're not confident about. But at the end of the day, they're a huge hit. I wanted to know if Shy had a song that he wasn't super confident about, but became a hit instead. I really loved um, when we were working on God Whispered Your Name for Keith Urban. I loved it, but I wasn't as confident that everybody else was going to love it because of the chords that we were using, like major sevenths and chords that... I don't hear a lot in country music or in pop music, which are like my favorite kind of chords. It's like, it just makes it more soulful to me, I feel like. But it's just not something you hear a lot. It's, it's more of a complex sound, you know, than just the the, tri- the, the triads of just like a, like a G. But when you do the G major seventh and then you do the A over the B and all kind of, you know, I was like, hey man, I don't <laughs> I don't think we should. I don't think they're going to like this, man. You know, <laughs> but uh, uh, people really loved it. And, and that's one of my favorite, favorite songs. And the way that uh, Keith and, and them produced it, like it was just like top of the line to me. So, yeah, I love the music on that and everything. I couldn't help but feel nostalgic while talking to Shy because fun fact, he actually had a hand in writing one of my favorite high school anthems. And guys, I actually did a palms routine to it in high school. So I had to ask him about the story behind Sugarland's hit, Stuck Like Glue. I was in LA and I got a chance to write with this guy named Kevin Griffin. And we just, we, we made one song one day and it, it was cool. And then we came back and it was just our second time working together. And I actually had a drum machine that I used to take everywhere and make these beats. And my drum machine was broken. So he started playing his guitar and he started kind of working on some drums in the computer. And I, and I said, Hey man, I, you know, I want to do some different kind of drums. So I, I, I asked him for his guitar and I started beating on the guitar. I started making sounds with my mouth and that was the so we we did that and we got you know we got a good chunk of the song done there and he was like man this would be great for Sugarland I was like I was like what you know Sugarland <laughs> like we all the way out here in LA I've been trying you know I was going back and forth from Atlanta to Nashville trying to get something going in country music so that was like my first big big splash in country music thanks to him and uh you know Christian and Jennifer and uh the drummer that was in his band better than Ezra Kevin was in the band better than Ezra. So his drummer was playing for Sugarland and that's he that's how he had the connection to them. So they they heard it, they loved it. They put that wild bridge on there. You know, they took it to a whole reggae breakdown and stuff. So a whole lot of fun, you know. Shy took that great leap of faith from songwriter to artist. 
and is undoubtedly making waves in all facets of the country music industry. I asked Shy what he thinks sets him apart as a solo artist in country with all of this great songwriting experience behind him and where he fits in in the country music equation. It's going to fit in wherever it fits, baby, you know? <laughs> It's gonna fit in. It's gonna fit in like like these other songs I've been writing. You know, they're gonna find they they're gonna find their place. You know, I, I'm singing from my heart and I'm having fun, but I'm also telling real uh, stories. I'm being vulnerable about my songs. These are the songs that you haven't heard yet. These are songs that's like, ooh, we girl, they gonna get you. They gonna make you feel something. They gonna make you tear up. A lot of people get a little teary eyed on good love. Because it just, you know, it just touches touches their heart. But it's just like joyful tears. It's, it's some it's something that's gonna make you just be like, woof, you know, like getting getting down to to real life, real life issues. But I'll be here to I'll be here to bring a lot of fun to people, a lot of good times, and 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 also make you cry tears of joy and make you cry tears of pain and agony and wishing she would just come back. What do Dan and Shay, Lindsay L., the Eli Young Band, and Justin Moore all have in common? They've all collaborated with our next guest and songwriter, Adam Hambrick. Adam grew up in Corinth, Mississippi, and had a natural knack for storytelling. He started as a songwriter in Nashville and has since become a singer as well. He is credited as a writer on Dan and Shay's How Not To, Justin Moore's Somebody Else Will, and one of my favorites, Lindsay L.'s Waiting On You. He's actually probably written a lot of your favorite tunes. But before making these big dreams come true, Adam got into songwriting because it's the family business. It's a little bit the family business, just a little bit. Uh, so uh, I come from, my dad's a pastor, my mom's a piano player. And so just growing up, uh, a lot of times my mom would write songs for church and I just always thought that was awesome. And, uh, and so I, I remember trying to write my first song when I was probably like nine years old. Um, and, and it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was just like music was just the thing. And then, um, first, you know, for some reason I just got it in my head early. If you want to make music, you, you write it. And, and, uh, and so that it just kind of became a, a part of me, like something I wanted to do when I started playing guitar in high school, um, in junior high, like I've always kind of tried to write songs and, and then it just kind of became a, a part of, of who I was, I guess. I've been a country fan since I was four years old. The genre really carried me and many of us through life's most difficult moments. And I think that's what's so special about country. I asked Adam what distinguishes country music songwriting from all of the other genres. Man, one thing that I love about the Nashville thing is that there's kind of, there's boundaries. There's boundaries of... Uh, there's boundaries of, okay, this is what a song structure typically looks like. Okay. This is what radio likes. Okay. This is what, um, you know, country fans typically like. And then, so you, so you have this, you have this like playing field, you know? And so, and so in some ways, like, instead of like the world, you know, the, the world is your oyster and you have so many choices, like it kind of narrows down the choices for you and you can really dig deep. And, uh, and I think that's actually like, you know, like the case can be made. Well, that actually like limits creativity, but I don't believe that. I think it kind of like helps you rule out all the things that it's not. So you can really dive deep on an idea and see all the things that it is. Um, I, I love the, uh, I don't know if you read the Matthew McConaughey book, um, the green lights or whatever. He, t he talks about that in one of his little vignettes. Uh, he talks, he talks about, um, creativity and, and the need for boundaries on creativity so that you're not overwhelmed by choices. And, uh, country music does a really good job. I think of setting the, setting the boundaries and then you be as creative as you can. Guys, I love Adam's insight here. See, when you're just a fan, you don't think about these things. But even though country music can feel limitless, I've learned through these countless interviews that I've done with artists that it can also sometimes feel, well, limiting. Adam shared some thoughts with me about what he thought was particularly limiting about country music songwriting. One thing I think that is limiting right now in country music is that window is getting tighter. And what needs to what needs to happen is it needs to it needs to it needs to go back out just a little bit um, because there's a lot of different people that listen to country music. And, um, and so I'm hopeful that instead of 
you know, it'd be in the same four chords and the same imagery and the same, all that stuff. We can, we can kind of go back, uh, kind of go, kind of go back to open it up just a little bit more to where there's more options and more availability to be creative. I love how Adam talks about breaking the mold and having more opportunities in country music to be creative. Everyone has a different process when it comes to creativity. So I had to ask Adam what his process was when it comes to songwriting. I feel like I get the best songs with other people because if you're, if you're the only dude in the room, you got nobody to tell you that your idea is bad. And that's really, that's really the, the strength of co-writing is like, yeah, you might think that's awesome, but literally nobody else in the entire world does. You know, if you have co-writers that you trust and co-writers that you go to the well to go, go to the well with over and over again, I mean, you know, you kind of develop that trust of like, Hey, that idea is not so great. And you believe them because, because you've seen it work before and you've written some of your favorite songs with those people. And, and, uh, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about Nashville and the co-writing thing is, is you have, you, you have creative collaborations that, that just make you better. And, uh, and I find that I'm a better writer when I'm in the room with other people. Sometimes those collaborations can lead to great relationships and great opportunities. Kelly Archer, we, we had, um, I wrote How Not To for Dan and Shay with Paul. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I wrote Somebody Else Will with uh, Kelly Archer. And she's kind of, she's taken me on her wing since uh, I moved to Nashville. And even before I moved to Nashville, when I was just making trips, like she's one of the first people I met. And, and, and she had no reason to write with me. Uh, but she's like, yeah, come on, come on. And, and we wrote, we wrote song after song and we wrote bad song after bad song. Cause I was not very good. And she taught me how to be good. And, you know, so it's just like people like that, who, uh, you know, people like that, who, who tell me when my ideas stink and, uh, and tell me when they're great and, and let me run, you know, and that's the, that's the best thing you hope for from co-writers. Guys, I get so giddy learning about the stories behind these songs. It really makes these songs feel so much more personal. It's just so cool knowing what these songs mean to the artists and what's really behind them. So guys, I asked Adam what his biggest cut was and what it meant to him. My biggest cut is probably, it was one of my first ones. It was it was Dan Shea, How Not To. Um, uh that's that song was just a that's a funny that's that's a funny story because um we wrote it um i wrote it three weeks after i had lost my publishing deal and uh and so i I lost i'd moved to town and and as a songwriter you you work with a publishing company and you know they pay you a they pay you a salary and so you don't have to work at starbucks you could just show up and write every day that kind of thing and uh and so i'd lost that first publishing deal and so I was like, uh, I, I don't know if this is going to work out. I might have to move back to Arkansas and sell cars or something. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> and, and like three weeks later, we wrote this song. And as soon as um, I was kind of looking for publishing deals and, and as I was playing that song for people, they were like, kind of looking at me funny, like, Oh, this, this, this is a song. And, and, immediately like it went on hold for rascal flats because they were looking for songs for that record um and it flats had it on hold for like a year like an entire year and then um dan and shaver on, the, on their way to the studio uh i think it was in jan it was in january right after christmas and uh, my daughter had just been born and we were on our way back from arkansas from christmas and uh and i get this call hey i think dan and shay's gonna cut how not to I was like, do, huh? Uh, but, but what about, but just, just want to be sure the rascal flats guys, they know, right. You know, just okay. I don't, want to ruffle any, don't want to ruffle any feathers. I'm new here, you guys. And, uh, but it, it was just like, it was so fast. They heard the song that morning on the way to the studio. One of their friends sent it to him. Hey, check this out. And, um, and they cut it that day. And I sent, the producer Sky Hendricks an email said, Hey, I heard you recorded this song on the boys. So excited about it. Thank you. And then they said, he said, it sounds like a hit. I think he's going to have a shot. And I was, and, and everything in me just, just like my, my little been here in Nashville, two years heart just like exploded. I was like, this is where it starts. It was awesome. It was awesome. Sometimes I feel like a broken record because I've said this a million times, but I've always been so jealous of songwriters like Adam Hambrick and how they can perfectly put feelings and stories to melodies. 
and they do it for other people too. Adam's passion for songwriting for others has grown now into songwriting for himself. I love knowing the story behind what the transition looks like for artists. I feel like it's a really interesting time in Nashville right now because because I am not at all the only one who's doing that. Um, like, man, Hardy, I, I feel like we came out about the same with our first singles. We came out about the same time. And and uh, and dude, he just he just blew up the world. He had like every FGL song on whatever that record was when he kind of burst on the scene. And um, but uh but it's just kind of a natural transition. I think um, like people see that you can write songs for this market and they, they see that you can write songs for uh, people getting in their car, going to Walmart, you know, in, in, uh, in Arkansas. And they, and, and they, they see value in that. Um, they see value in that kind of storytelling and that kind of like way of way of doing things. And if you can write for the market, you can write for the people who listen to country music. Um, then it's an easy sell for a record label to say, Hey, we'll, we'll give you some money to make a record. We'll, we'll put you on radio tour and see, see what happens. Um, it's kind of an, it, it's a much easier bet than, than uh, just finding a singer who can kind of sing good and people kind of like, it's just like it, when you, when you can write your own songs in a lot of ways in Nashville, I feel like it's just, you can kind of write your own ticket. I really love that Adam has the skill and confidence to branch out and become an amazing solo artist. He seems to have such a great hand in knowing the changing landscape in the Nashville songwriting community. So I wanted to know how he sees country music songwriting expanding in the future. I heard the Brothers Osborne say one time that country music is a new alternative. And I think that's true. Um, and for better or for worse, like there's some, there's some people that are pushing the genre in a way that I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really into that, but I do love um, that there is a, that there is a place for people in country music. There's a, there's a place, there's a place for cowboy hat country still on the radio. Um, there's a place for um, pop leaning, R and B leaning, you know, kind of like, you know, grooving music on the radio and, and country music has, it's evolved in a way that has just like made the door open for a lot of different kinds of people, which I think is great. Um, And to me, country music though, will always be, I guess, I guess the stories of people who feel deeply and have something to say, a lot of times it's like the brokenhearted stuff that makes me feel like it's country music. But I know that's, I know that's my like little, window of what I like, but I like the country music has, there's, there's a space for a lot of, a lot of different kind of people. Um, even if you've never been down a dirt road, I like that country music is built on the storytelling. Um, you're, you're telling a story, you got something to say. And I like, I like the classic instrumentation of country music. Um, you might listen to my songs. If you, if you, if you listen to my music and you're one of those people like country, I get it. I get it. But like my songs, they have drums, they have, pedal steel they have mandolins they have acoustic guitars they have electric guitars it's presented in a different way um a lot of times but that's country music to me it's good storytelling and around a lot of those classic instruments that i love Drew Parker is a Georgia native who burst onto the scene in 2015 thanks to his amazing songwriting skills to me songwriting is an art form that only a select few really have a knack for i wish i had it but I was curious to know how Drew got into songwriting in the first place. You may even recognize a buddy that helped him get his foot in the door. So I realized early on, and I don't know, I'm I'm sure there was some advice given, but you kind of learn the quickest way into the business is to write songs. I mean, that's the, the best tool as far as getting to know people and networking with people is, hey, let's write a song. It's really good, and, and it comes out of necessity, really, um, to learn to write a song or, or just the process of writing a song. It's it's necessary to do that to get involved in the business, and that started for me six years ago. I opened a show for Luke Combs in Rome, Georgia. There was about 60 people there, and we hit it off. We became buddies, and he said, hey, man, why don't you – I wasn't living in Nashville at the time – he said, hey, why don't you drive back and forth from Georgia to Nashville and let's write some songs together? So we started doing that. And you just learn. I mean, I hadn't never really written a song before. I had tried. And, you know, but I like the confidence of wh- whether or not what I was writing was any good. And 
you get around a group of like-minded people and people that think the same way you do and have the same interest, and it, it becomes fun. Songwriting fell into Drew's lap, but I love how he talks about it as a constant learning experience and that you have to share this experience with like-minded people. Speaking of like-minded people, I was curious to know how his relationship with Luke Combs bettered his songwriting. That's what happened when I started writing with Luke. I mean, the first song I had on his first record was a song called Lonely One. And we wrote that in that time period where I, where I was driving back and forth. And then I think when it made his record and, you know, he ended up blowing up like he did, it gave me the confidence, okay, I can write a song on a big record, you know. And it's one of those things that practice makes perfect. You're not going to get – I mean, I have a lot of duds that I've written. I mean, many. And that happens still to this day. I mean, I still write songs weekly that are just – you know, maybe not good, but the more you do it and you, and you learn how to stretch your brain and write about things that you've never heard of and say things again, this goes back to saying things that you've never heard in a way said before. Um, I, I, I think of one lyric in particular, there's a, in my new single, there's a line that says BPPBR. It's a very, everybody, I get asked about that line a lot and it's like, well, what is that? And it's like, well, we were wanting to talk about drinking beer, right? But how can you say I'm drinking a beer without just saying I'm drinking a beer? Well, I'm drinking a PBR. Well, let's take it a step further and make it a PBR from a BP gas station. So there's those little things that I think I learned that early on. Like, let's figure out how to say it differently where it catches the ear of the person. And just those little things, I think, caught on to other artists that have cut my songs. Um, and that kind of thing. I love that Drew capitalized on the confidence that he got from getting a Luke Combs cut and continued to learn and grow in the country music community. It was so interesting chatting with him about his process when it comes to saying something new and different as a country music songwriter. Side note, my favorite lyric from his new single is BP PBR. In the six years since Drew's been on the scene, he's seen a lot change in the genre. Drew talked to me a little bit about his favorite things about being a country music songwriter and where he thinks the genre is growing. When I moved to Nashville six years ago, country music, and I'm a fan of all country music. I'm not the kind of guy that's like, that's not country. Because the one thing I love about country music is it's always been left up to interpretation. I think all music in general, like, you know, you might listen to a song and I might listen to the same song and we might take two total different things experiences from it because we relate it to our lives and how it impacted us um but when i moved to nashville almost six years ago the the kind of country music that was coming out of nashville was not particularly what i create and what comes out of me naturally um but it's it's weird it was actually the perfect time for me to move to nashville because it's kind of come around and come back and circled back to the kind of music that I make thanks to Chris Stapleton and Luke Combs and John Party and those kind of folks. So I think, you know, I think we're going to see both sides of it. Honestly, I don't know that it's going to, um, I don't think we're going to see one style or, or another um, disappear. Drew is both a songwriter and a Georgian at heart. So I had to ask him how he stays true to those Georgian roots and traditional country in the writer's room. In a writing room, when I write songs, I don't particularly go in and, and necessarily write strictly for myself. So I have written my share of pop country songs, just, uh, you know, the production of them and, and that kind of thing. Lyrically, I stay in the country vein as far as writing from the lifestyle and just those country elements of the of the 90s country music that I grew up on. It's amazing to me that Drew just loves to stay true to his love of 90s country. As a 90s kid myself, I definitely have a soft spot for some classic country twang. But I was interested in knowing how Drew keeps his writing fresh. How does he ensure that what he's saying is something different in all of his songs? Well, I mean, it goes without saying, but I feel like we've heard a lot of the same things said in certain ways. And so it's our job to not change what we're saying. I mean, country folks are still country folks. I mean, there's still people out there that drink beer. There's still people out there that get their heart broke. There's still people out there who uh, love Jesus. And, and I think we put all of those things in our songs, but 
nobody wants to hear them said in the same way. So finding those ways that things have never been said before, figuring out a different way to tell a heartbreak story. I mean, my current single right now, While You're Gone, is to me, it's kind of, there's a little hopefulness in there, um, but it's also, at the end of the day, it's a heart, it's a heartbreak song. But at the same time, there's also this comical element. So fitting all of those things in are very important to me, not in every song, but just figuring out a way to tell the story in a way that you've never heard it before. Drew provided such great insight into his mind when it comes to songwriting. I agree that his new single, While You're Gone, stays true to classic country themes while adding in his own modern twist. We talked a lot about his new single. I wanted to know if there was a moment that he knew he was ready to cut his own songs and become the front man. My whole plan when I moved to Nashville, I, I was a singer first. Uh, singing was my passion and kind of where the whole music started for me, singing in church back in the day. And that was my whole goal when I moved to town. But it goes back to, I think, my easiest way in the business is let's start writing songs and learn how to write songs. And then it came to that time where, I mean, Luke is a Luke Holmes is a little bit of a different scenario for me because he always had the record deal. So anytime I was writing for him, I was always writing a song for him. We were I was making sure that I was saying something that Luke Holmes would say or something his fans want to hear. And that's very important when you're a co-writer writing for another artist is understanding who they are as an artist and what their fan wants. And I learned that early on getting to watch Luke play on the road all those years what his fans want to hear. So I learned how to gear a song towards writing for him. Um, and side note, we actually just wrote, me and him together with our friend Rob Williford, we actually wrote a song together that I am probably going to keep for myself maybe. Um, so that was that was fun. But the other thing, the other side of it is, I, I think about Jake Owen and, and the song Homemade that I wrote for him. That was one... It was just, we were writing a song, and I think the co-writers in the room assumed we were writing for me. I love how Drew started to realize that maybe all of these songs that he was writing for other people could be his. Drew shared some great advice for any songwriter looking to break through. Songwriters can be very smart, especially songwriters that want to be artists like myself. It's looking at your career from a 30,000-foot view and saying, what is the best move for my career at the moment? What what benefits me the best? And when we wrote Homemade, the best thing for me was to let that song get pitched. I knew it was a hit. I knew it was a big song. It was one of those, it's like, how has nobody ever written this? This is brilliant. And it wasn't my idea. I can't take credit for that. But when it was brought to me, I was like, man, this is genius. And how has nobody ever written this idea before? This is country music. So I knew that. And I was like, I have to understand that as bad as I want this song to be for myself, and I would love this for this to be on my first record because I think it's a big song. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't as far in my artist career at the time. And Jake heard the song and, and loved it. And I was like, this song benefits my career better if I let Jake Owen cut it. And people say, man, this guy not only writes songs with Luke Combs, but he's getting cuts with other artists as well. And I, I think it, I wanted people to, to look at me and say, man, he is a good songwriter. And then they dive in and find out more and find out that I am actually trying to do the artist thing. Wow, guys, Drew is so humble. I really believe that he is one of the best songwriters that country music has to offer. Plus, he's an amazing artist. As a fan of his songwriting, I had to ask him what the inside scoop was behind his biggest cut. I can't not mention uh, one too many with Luke. That was special in the sense of he invited Brooks and Dunn to sing on it. Two guys that I grew up listening to heavily influenced my career and my music. That one's very special. Then there's Homemade. That was my first cut outside of Luke Combs. And again, the Luke thing is different because he's always been a buddy. So I've, I've always been really close to that. So I've watched his career grow. And so when I write songs with him, I'm just writing with my buddy and, and that kind of thing. And so I'm, I never feel like I'm writing a song with Luke Combs, the artist. I'm writing a song with Luke Combs, my friend. So that's that's different. So the Jake Owen thing was very special because it was my first number one as a songwriter. It's the first single I ever had. And it was one that 
it got cut because it was a good song, um, not because I wrote it with my friend or, or that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, not that Luke cuts my songs because we're friends. He, if we write a, a terrible song together, it's definitely not getting cut. But And then there's uh, Forever After All, Luke's current single. That one's very special just based off the story around it and us writing it at Luke's brand new house. It was the first song he ever wrote at his house. And just how big it was when it came out, the fans blew it up. And that one, that one's really special because, you know, it goes back. Homemade was my first single, but there's something really special about having a single with one of your, with one of your best friends, which is super cool. It was clear from our amazing conversation how country music just lights Drew up. He has such a passion for country music. I had to ask my signature question. What does country music mean to Drew Parker? everything <laughs> i mean it's that simple it's it literally is is everything for me it's it's my family it's um my parents my upbringing my foundation that they laid for me in in just being the man that i am the family man that i am the dad that i am now i'm a new dad the husband that i am it 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 has all those pieces of that in the music that i grew up on that like I feel like you could listen to country music and never be taught a thing and learn a lot. Like you could, you could be 20 years old, not know anything about being a person, a good person or whatever that just being a human in general. And you can listen to country music. It can tell you how to fix a truck. It can tell you how to fix a heartbreak. It can tell you how to crack open a beer. It can tell you how to fall in love, which is super cool. It can tell you how to get through a bad time. And that's why I think it is everything because it has all those elements of what it takes to be a good person and how to get through. I mean, country music is therapy. Florida native Adam Sanders has been earning his stripes in Nashville for a little over a decade now. Adam has written some of my favorite songs for both Dustin Lynch and Cole Swindell. But of course, every career has a backstory. So I wanted to know how Adam found himself in songwriting. Well, you know, this is just kind of like how fate plays a role in, the, in everyone's life. So I have an uncle that's in the music industry and um, has played on every album from like Taylor Swift to George Jones to Sam Hunt. Like he's played on everything. And he was in the music industry as I was growing up. And when I was about 12 years old, he calls my dad one day and he asked to speak to me. And he said, hey, Adam, have you ever thought about writing songs? And I was like no what do you mean he said well you know all these songs that you hear on the radio somebody had to write them whether it's the artists or songwriters and he said i know you're really into music and you know music was my passion from day one he said you should look into writing songs because that could be your way into the music industry one day so i hung up the phone uh the next day i wrote my first song with my dad uh the song was awful and I really just found that I that I really enjoyed the process of it. Uh, I started writing in high school and just kind of writing about going to field parties or, you know, a breakup or whatever. And then I moved to Nashville. When I moved to Nashville, I learned what co-writing was and, and that sort of thing. And so so, yeah, it was just uh, it's so crazy because if you fast forward so many years later, songwriting was actually how I got my start in the music industry. And it's all because I planted that seed when I was about 12 years old. I love how a push from a loved one encouraged Adam and his love of songwriting. As many of us country fans know, Music Row in Nashville is where the magic is made. But those early years in the industry, especially on Music Row, can be extremely formative. Adam shared with me about what that time looked like for him and what were some of the lessons that he learned along the way. Well, uh, going out and networking was a huge thing for me. I found my crew in places like Tin Roof and Winners and Losers, you know, down on Broadway and uh, and Demumbrium. And so um, I just remember, you know, um, meeting a bunch of guys like Cole Swindell and, you know, Chase Rice and Tyler Farr and, you know, the FGL boys. And at this time, we were all just, you know, a bunch of nobodies. We just, you know, were just kind of, you know, had dreams and aspirations. I couldn't agree more. Networking in the country industry really seems to be the way to get your name out there. I mean, it really can get you some great opportunities that you need and lead to some amazing creative collaborations. You guys might even recognize one of Adam's good buddies and early collaborators. 
we used to do this thing called Saturday Song Day over at Cole's house where we used to watch college football. I'm a big Gators fan, obviously. And uh, we'd watch football and we would play each other our demos and uh, work tapes and stuff that we had written that week. And it was so cool because it was such a friendly competition in a way and like you knew that some you know cole's about to play a song you wrote this week and it's going to be great and you better find your best song that you know you wrote and it was kind of iron sharpens iron you know like in a way and we all championed each other um you know during those times and, and i think it just all, all made us you know rise and, and grow as writers and and as artists and so um those were some of the memories that i will always hang on to and and always look up to those guys for letting me kind of be in that group with them As I mentioned earlier, Adam used songwriting to get his foot in the country music door. He's had a slew of number one hits, but from an outsider's perspective, it's really hard to choose what his biggest number one was. So guys, I just asked Adam himself, which song is he most proud of? I would say Ain't Worth the Whiskey is is my biggest cut. Um, That song was a song that uh we wrote again when uh, Cole, uh, myself, and, and our third writer, Josh Martin, um, myself and Josh didn't have a publishing deal. I was working in construction with my dad. Uh, Josh was a security guard officer at Belmont University here in Nashville. And Cole had just signed a publishing deal with Sony ATV Tree. And it was one of the very first rights that we ever had in an actual publishing office. We were just writing in, in our apartments and in our houses and stuff, you know. And so we had like a, a place to actually go. Um, Josh has this title. Uh, he says, he tells me and Cole, man, I got this idea called you ain't worth the whiskey. And the funny thing about this is, is we thought about it for a second and then we, we kept throwing titles out. And luckily by the grace of God, Cole stops us about after about five or six uh, titles later. And he says, guys, why are we continuing to throw titles out? Like, why are we not writing you ain't worth the whiskey? Like, that's awesome. We should write that. So then we're both like, all right, well, let's do it. So, um, you know, it was it's so cool because it took about six years for that song to ever be recorded from the time we had written it. And that's a song that helped me get my publishing deal. It was my very first number one as a writer, Cole's third consecutive as an artist. And we always sort of said out of the three of us, we knew how good the song was. And it was always on hold for other artists. And it just never got recorded, probably because, you know, we we, we didn't have recognizable names, you know, in a sense. And so maybe some people might not have thought that, you know, uh, that it was a, a big song if it had a bunch of nobodies next to it. And so um, we always joked that whoever got a record deal first would, would record the song and Cole ended up being that guy and he put it out and uh, 24 weeks and went number one. And uh, I think it's uh, double platinum at this point and still super cool to be able to like go out, watch him perform it. Uh, if I'm playing with him, he'll bring me out and uh, let me sing it with him and, it's just uh, it's a song that I'm very grateful for. And, you know, with all the stuff that we've got going on right now, you know, like the line and the bridge that says, you know, you know, saving our backs overseas, you know, like it's just resonating so well right now. I played it last night um, at a writer's round and the whole place just like stood up and did like a standing ovation like for that part. So it's uh, it's one that's very special for sure. It's clear that Adam's talent hard work ethic, and love of country music has gotten him to where he is today. So I asked Adam what his biggest piece of advice that he had for a songwriter earning their stripes on Music Row. Nashville is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, You know, I was very fortunate to move to town. I was in town for about two years. I signed a publishing deal and really quick, about six months into my deal, I got my first cut with Luke Bryan. So things started to really happen fast for me. Um, And then after I had such like a white hot start, um, you know, some of my cuts kind of, you know, dried up and I, and I didn't have a number one for, you know, a few years, you know, after that. And so, you know, it's, it goes in waves and it, you know, you're going to ride, you know, a good wave for a little while and always, you know, enjoying the moments when they happen because you don't know when that's going to happen again. And so, you know, um, it's a marathon and know that you're in it for the long haul. You know, uh, there's guys, for an example, Randy Montana, um, which is one of my best friends in town. Uh, we always knew how great Randy Montana was as a songwriter and as an artist. And he is just now getting sort of recognized as that, as that, as you know, songwriter of the year. And uh, I think it was, he was probably writing songs well over, you know, seven, eight, nine years before he had uh, his number one. And then he had like, six back to back to back you know so it's kind of crazy how it all timing and sort of thing so not getting discouraged and uh just you know making sure you treat people right and just understanding that you know it's a it's a town that 
if you let it, it will discourage you in, in a lot of ways. But if you also um, take it for what it's worth, it could be there for you when you really need it. I've been lucky enough to chat with Adam once before. He really is a raw talent who is humble and just loves country music. But I was curious to know if there was a moment that Adam really just wanted to start cutting some more of his own music and put out his own songs. Kind of like jumping out of an airplane. It's like you're you're up there and you know you're going to do it. It's a matter of now you're getting the side of it. It's like, all right, you got to jump now. And that's basically what I did. I just kind of bet the farm and went all in. It was like, all right, here we go. Yeah, you know, I kind of thought about that for for a long time prior to, to sort of getting into that spot. And I still think that like, you know, I still try to write what is the best song that I can write every single day. But there definitely has been more of a focus in the last, you know, few months since my album came out of now uh, things are going so well with me that I'm focusing more on uh, certain titles and certain hooks and sort of knowing how I would sort of say that versus what someone else would say. And so, um, yeah, I would say that you know, I thought about it for a while, but I always kind of felt like I wasn't in a position to be able to kind of plant that flag in the dirt. And I think last year when we reached a hundred million streams as an independent artist, that was the moment for me that I was like, okay, that's a significant number. I've never done an album. It's time for me to put a project out. There's a cohesive project of my brand and, and, and what I want to do moving forward. And then from there, once the numbers started to really kind of build and I mean, heck, I think we're 15 weeks in and we're over 22 million streams, which is nuts and to think about and, you know, streaming with, you know, the biggest of the biggest names as an independent artist. And so um, I think now, you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm sort of really leaning into that about, you know, I'm already thinking of the next album. I want to get one out as soon as possible. Wow, y'all. The streaming numbers do not lie. It's clear that country fans love Adam as much as he loves them. It's crazy to think that a songwriter with no major record deal can reach such great milestones. It's really a testament to Adam's talent and hard work. I am a huge fan, so I needed to know what the goals were behind his debut project and if anything surprised him throughout the journey. You know, the biggest thing is I wanted to make sure that there was no confusion of who I was as an artist. I wanted it for better or for worse. If it was someone's cup of tea, they liked it, they didn't. I wanted people to know that, all right, this is what my brand and the songs that I want to sing about and, and, and a cohesive project. And so in the past, you know, when I had released songs, it was um, it was always singles and we did an EP, but but it was never really I was never in a position to go in, record, you know, with all of the same uh, play uh, like uh, band and producer and the same mic and you know it was always just kind of you know you know pulled together from you know different directions and so that was the biggest thing and you know I felt like I had assembled a team um around me that was going to help me succeed and I felt like we knew that we were going to do pretty well um I will be honest and, and say that I really didn't expect it to do what it is doing I'm very grateful and I've always you know, um, known that, you know, that I have the, you know, the ability to, to, uh, have an album that could do this, but, you know, the realisticness of being an independent artist and the, some of the, the barriers that are there, we're kind of knocking them all down, which is pretty crazy. And, and it's really, um, it's really inspiring, you know, also too. And so, like I said, I think, uh, I think this is just the beginning. I think the next album is going to be even bigger and we're just going to continue to keep releasing as much music as possible. Adam came to town as a songwriter, cut his teeth on music row. And guys, he just hit a huge milestone with his new album. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. We're, uh, and every time, uh, get an update you know it's daily it's uh you know i want to post and, and talk to my fans about it but as soon as we post oh we hit 20 million it's like well now we're at 22 should we wait till we get to 25 or you know 30? so it's just it's a it's a daily thing which is so wild and to be in you know the biggest playlistings you know with hot country on spotify and you know today's country you know on apple and and seeing my music next to the biggest of the biggest you know names that there is is, is something that's a dream come true uh, for me and I've worked really really hard to get there and so it's a uh, it's I'm definitely definitely grateful um, I you know I'm, I'm kind of a testament they say Nashville is a 10-year town and uh, I would say for me you know that's I'm a hundred percent testament to that that yeah you know I had some songwriting success really early and I was very grateful for that but like Adam said at the end of the day it all comes back to songwriting and songwriting is really 
what has continued to for to fuel this thing because what I did was I actually sold my catalog to fund this whole project. Um, so I basically kind of bet on myself, you know, so uh, if you take my career and you blow it all the way back down to that conversation that I had with my uncle at 12 years old, there's none of this that would happen because I wouldn't be in the position I am as an artist because I basically funded, you know, self-funded this whole thing. And so it's really cool. And it's, uh, it's something that, I, that I'm very, very grateful and thankful for. I love how country music songwriting is built on strong roots of storytelling that everyone can relate to. And I love that these songwriters are able to capture it so beautifully. I'm just feeling so lucky that I've had the opportunity to sit down with these four and dive deep into these guys' stories, working with these iconic artists and now their own journeys to success. Man, do I feel lucky. It's safe to say that none of these guys are stopping anytime soon. All of these guys are constantly working on their craft and have some really exciting projects coming up. Shy Carter, he's got a song out called Beer With My Friends with Cole Swindell and the iconic David Lee Murphy. And y'all are definitely gonna wanna check out the music video. It is so fun. My guy, Adam Hambrick, he has a new EP out called The Flip Sides. Be sure you check out his song, Broken Ladder. It's one of my favorites. Catch Drew Parker on tour with Luke Combs and Ashley McBride. He's also gearing up to kick off his first ever headlining tour. How exciting. Guys, it's called the On the Road Tour. How fun. Get your tickets on his website. Adam Sanders is currently on tour, and you can catch him next in Pikesville, Kentucky with the one and only Justin Moore. Also, be sure you check out his new album, What If I'm Right, and the beautiful stripped back version of the title track, plus my favorite song, Bible verses. Without songwriting, guys, there's just no music. I hope y'all walked away with a new appreciation for our country music songwriters and their craft. I sure know I did. Once again, my name is Bobby Dixon, and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby. And be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by me, Ashley Kim. I also executive produce alongside my team at Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you love this episode, please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends from Restless Road who recorded our amazing theme music for this podcast. All Country News. For more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at All Country News. Visit us at allcountrynews.com to join our birthday club and subscribe to our weekly industry newsletter. Check out a new episode of Country Confidential every month right here. All Country News.